Welcome to Light Trees and News, everyone. Pop culture, politics, and a sprinkle of treason. I'm joined today by Aaron. I'm back. And listen, I'm not going to lie. I'm coming off of sleeping four hours and two Ooh, days. Yeah. Hell yeah. I did back-to-back midnight shows uh-huh. at UCB. Very fun. Yeah. Both of them. They but sounded fun. Last night I did sketch cram, mm-hmm. which in case you don't know what that is, uh, you write an entire sketch show in one day. It's a show that, as I understand it, started as a dumb idea. A very dumb, <laughs> bad idea. Borderline impossible. Yeah. And then they've just been doing it for years. <laughs> I will say this, though, to shout out Stacy and Georgie. Um, they run that thing yeah. like a well-oiled machine. Right. So I was dumb. And Stacy like, threw out this... Um, challenge where she was like, maybe she didn't do it deliberately, but I'm insane. Right. Sure. She was like, you could write in it or act in it or both, but I don't remember the last time anyone's done that. And I was like, oh, really? She did not know what she was doing. Oh, really? I'll fucking do both. I'm not afraid. Uh Uh-huh. So this means I had to get up at 7 a.m. to get there by 9 because weekend trains. Uh Uh-huh. And they they write it at Fordham. Mm-hmm. So oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, because they can get... Here's why. I'll tell you in a second <laughs> why they have to do it there. Right. So then I was there from 9 a.m. until 11 p.m. Nice. And then we went directly to the theater uh-huh. for a midnight show. Nice. So the reason they have to do it at Fordham is because we have a limited amount of time to rehearse an entire sketch show. Right. They divide the actors into two groups, mm. and then they switch back and forth. I see. So they can be running simultaneous <laughs> rehearsals at the same time, uh-huh. which is bananas. Nice. Uh, there were several points where I was like, there's just no way. How do they do this? How are we going to get right. off book right. for a show by midnight? Mm-hmm. That was another thing I got there, and I was like, does it have to be off book? And they were like, yes. <laughs> and I was like, what? Like, what do you think we're doing here? <laughs> how, how do you get off book so fast? Uh, and then we fucking did it. I don't think anybody dropped a line. Nice. It was wild. Memorizing lines is one of those things that, if you don't do it, seems really intimidating. Mm-hmm. And once you start doing it, you find that you memorize stuff a lot more easily than you realize. Well, what I forgot, too, is they a lot of the actors are improvisers. Right. So they were like, you know the gist right. of the sketch. You know right. what the game is. So mm-hmm. just get there. Mm-hmm. Like, if you fuck up a line, yeah. improvise. Yeah. So we definitely did that a few times. Sure. But audience doesn't fucking know. But yeah, it's like, yeah, they don't know. And also, yeah, it's... It, I, I find especially if, if you're not like memorizing like a list of things is hard. But when you're memorizing like a speech or something, it's like once you do it a couple times, mm-hmm. it's like once you say one sentence, then all of a sudden your brain is like populating the next sentence. Yep. And the next sentence. It's like once you get started, I think you find it's a lot easier than it seems. I wrote this absolutely insane sketch where you pitch like seven premises uh-huh. during pitch. I'm shocked that you wrote an insane sketch. Uh, yeah, I <laughs> know. Uh, but truly, the craziest one I had mm-hmm. is the one they went with, and I was like, oh, really? Mm-hmm. Which is two women at brunch. Mm-hmm. One is telling her friend about a nightmare she had about Slender Man, okay. and her friend is convinced that she's actually describing Jared Kushner. <laughs> and then you know Jared Kushner shows up, and he is behaving exactly like uh-huh. Slender Man. Um, so that's the one I wrote. But in that, I do have like a list of details of slender man that i'm like rattling off very fast right but it was my own fault i wrote it right so i was like let me play that so i can memorize it so nobody else has to do that yeah (laughs) and it's easy i uh 
that's another thing is that for for memorization, writing it very easy to memorize stuff if you're the one writing it. Yes, I found yes, yes, yes. Um, but Akmal was one of the actors, and he was just like, "That was so crazy that sketch. <laughs> it was so fun though. Like yeah. I was really nervous about it because it was so weird." In rehearsal that the actors watching it were like, what? And I was like, oh, no, is it going to get that response? Got a big response great. from the crowd. Perfect. Uh, so that was great. Yeah. So this is all to say that if I'm a little spacey, a little slow on this episode, it's because my brain's shutting down. Yeah. The, you know, that's what happens. And who are you to judge me <laughs> because I make bad life decisions? Uh-huh. Who are you? So while we're in the recommendation mm-hmm. section, I wanted to read... This is a, a rare Twitter read Ooh, from wow. Steven. Wow. You can contact us Bold. on Twitter at Light Trees and Pod, hashtag Light Trees and Pod. So Steven writes, next pod, could you please talk about your thoughts on Watchmen and the boys? You said you liked both of them, but never went into a lot of detail. Ooh. Curious to hear your longer thoughts on them. I thought I went into a lot of detail. Sounds on like Watchmen. he's calling you out a little bit. I, but I, that, what's weird about that is I feel like I talked uh-huh. so much about Watchmen. Yeah. Maybe I didn't talk about it as much because I didn't want to spoil the ending. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, but the reason I wanted to talk about it is because there has since been an update about Watchmen. Yes. So there's two things I wanted to talk about. Right. There are two shows that I love very, very much. And it was recently announced that uh, their futures are in question. Mm-hmm. And one made me very sad. Yeah. And one I actually felt pretty good about. Yeah. The one I felt pretty good about is Watchmen. Yes. There was recently announce- an announcement that Lindelof, at least, has said mm. he's not going to do another season. Right. I think that's a good call. Yeah. I'm happy with that. I think the one and only season of Watchmen is very, very close to perfect. Right. And I would have been very sad if they had run that thing into the ground. Yeah, I think... Like, lost, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I mean, I think it's one of those things, like, you see it all the time where there's some sort of enterprise and the creator of it or the main writer or something drops out because they're done, you know? It's like, I had this one story to tell or, you know, I I had this vision and then it's, I'm done with it. But because it you know, is a money-making venture. They keep it going. Right. And it's like, you know, that's fine. But it's, uh, but it's that's like, fine but for that's, something... This is not the piece of art that we, yes. were, we were looking for. That's like, fine for something like Lost, actually, because, right. I don't know, there weren't as many stakes. Right. Whereas Watchmen was handled so sensitively mm-hmm. as it needed to be because it was right. de- dealing with very serious themes like the the Tulsa massacre um you know racism in America it needed to be handled just so yeah and it was because they had an incredible diverse writing staff who mm. knew what the fuck they were doing and it would have made me really sad if like season 2 was not good yeah and it, that the stuff like that kind of stuff is important too i uh, uh i remember the show community mm-hmm. There's like one season that is universally hated by everyone that watches it, yes. and it is coincidentally That's when I stopped watching. <laughs> it's coincidentally the one season where the the creator and original showrunner left. Yep, and then they tried to keep it going, and we're like, oh, we can't do this because the guy that invented it right. knows the show. Yeah, he he made it. He understands. It's his it. brain. You know, you can't just watch like you can't just like watch a show for five years and then write it. You know, it's like it's his creation. So he obviously understands it on a very deep level. That's funny you say that because that is the entire uh, that's what spec scripts are. (laughs) 
<laughs> right. Yeah, you could write an episode, but I mean, like, it's not going to be the same for the fans. It'll be like fan fiction of that. Right. Yeah. yeah it's yeah. not going to be the same. And it's not going to have the same heart because no matter how much you think you understand it from watching it or even working on it, it's like the, the person that created it, un- like, was the one that dreamed it up. Right. They know everything about it, you know, on a deep level. They understand the heart of it. So if they're not around, it's very hard to keep that going. Right. And then, oh, so further thoughts about Watchmen. Yeah, I I guess I didn't do like an episode by episode breakdown, but I loved it. Yeah. You know, uh did I wish they went into more detail about characters like Lady True, who mm-hmm. are, are fascinating? Have you seen it yet? I only watched like the first two episodes. Okay. I've not been able to finish it. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, do finish it. It's uh, yes, great. Yes, I want to. It was very good, the f- the what I saw. Yeah. Uh, of course, I wish they had had more time to unpack characters. Sure. But part of what I really loved about Watchmen is how they just throw you into this world. Right. And they're sort of like, you'll learn to swim. I really enjoy that. Yeah, I it don't like to be spoon-fed stuff. I don't even like to necessarily know everything about a character. I think these like little snippets we see of Angela and Dr. Manhattan and Lady True, like it's enough, you know? There's a certain um this is what I was like and I know I'm going to you know, people hate him on Twitter, but it's <laughs> what I always really enjoyed about reading Ernest Hemingway's books because uh-huh. he doesn't talk a lot. He doesn't do a lot of exposition in his books. Right. And there's a certain meta quality to the idea of like just dropping you in the middle of something and the the narrator is talking to you like you're already in the world. Yeah. And it sort of makes you feel immersed in it right off the bat. I also think like in at least modern American storytelling, quantity is valued. Mm-hmm. So like Law and Order SVU. <laughs> right. I want to be able to watch one million episodes yes. of this show. Yes. Whereas I don't know. I would prefer quality, where it's like we got one season, it was almost perfect. Right. Leave it alone. I think the miniseries is making a comeback. I think yes. that's a new thing. That's a that's a, telling these sort of like we have more than we need for a movie, mm. but maybe this is not like you know not every show is supposed to be The Simpsons. Well, I mean that know? a great example of that is Big Little Lies. Right. Season one. Almost perfect. Yeah. Leave it alone. And right. then they come out. They do season two because people value quantity right. and it's yeah. not good. And then people were super pissed. And it's like, right, it was never supposed to be more than that first season. Right. You little monsters wanted more you episodes. Need more and more and more of it. <laughs> so they had to get all these great actresses back. You know what I, you know what I like is shows that, uh, I can't think of any examples except maybe right off the top of my head, like American Horror Story, mm-hmm. where they have a series but every season is just completely different. It's like yeah. a new thing. You know who doing. else is doing that? Mike Flanagan, uh, oh, Haunting of yeah. Hill House. Yes. Blythe yeah, yeah, Manor is yeah. coming out. Right. A lot of the same actors all right. playing new roles. Yeah, I like that because that's a way of like, it's it, every season is basically its own miniseries. Mm-hmm. So that's a way to keep the bre- the franchise going. Yeah. But it's like, we're not going to run this into the ground. We're just going to start telling a totally new story. Which I love because part of the reason I prefer the one season and we're done is we can move on and tell a new story. Yeah. And, you know, there are, of course, exceptions to that. I was really glad Fleabag had another season. And Fleabag was miraculous because season two is better than season one, which is like, (laughs) how the fuck is she going to pull that off? And then she does. So, yeah, there are exceptions to the rule, obviously. So I I previously said that there were two shows um, that I heard the future is is indetermined about and one made me happy, which is Watchmen. The one that made me sad is Mindhunter. No. 
Although, I guess what happened is David Fincher is directing something else for Netflix uh-huh. and basically was like, I can't do both, right. which I get sure. because I don't want to see a bad Mindhunter season, you know? Right. Yeah. So I would prefer he takes as much time as he needs. And because he was doing that, I think this was a very good call and probably the moral call to make. They released right. the actors from their contract. That's nice. Like, go work, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. so you can pay your fucking rent right. while David Fincher's directing something else. Sure. So I support that move, obviously. You, yeah. don't, you shouldn't lock actors in contracts <laughs> if they can't work. Right. That's mean. No, that's a good idea. So I support the move, but I'm sad about the move. Yeah, Mindhunter is so good. It's so fucking good. Good. Yes. And that's another great example of the show just kept getting better. Mm-hmm. Where I was I'm really excited to see future seasons. So I really, really hope he wants to return to it. Because yeah. I also don't want to see that show directed by anybody else. Right. That's that's it's such a specific tone with him. The vibe on that show. Yeah, the so, vibe. You know, there's that show's got vibes. Yeah. And I know there's been other like guest directors and stuff, but I think he has a lot of control over yeah. the overall tone of the show. Right. Um, so let's get to recommendations. Okay. I'm very self-conscious that I didn't talk enough about Watchmen. And now people think, like, I don't like Watchmen. Oh, well, I didn't talk about The Boys at all. The Boys is great, too. Did you see that? No. Okay. The Boys is on Amazon mm-hmm. and is, like, a very realistic portrayal of what it would be like if superheroes were real mm. in our world. So, like, they're corporate brand ambassadors. Right. Uh, a lot of shady shit goes on with that. And it's it's really, really well done. Mm-hmm. It's really well done. The only thing I know about the boys is I think that was the poster that was in the background of the photoshopped Ghislaine Maxwell photo at In-N-Out. Oh, That's how they figured out it was photoshopped because it was like a thing that would not have been up as a poster at that time or something. Right, (laughs) right. That's funny. So yeah, I highly recommend both those shows. Nice. Yeah. So other recommendations. There is a documentary on Netflix called The Great Hack. The Great Hack. Oh, uh, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes, yes. Which is all about Facebook Mm -hmm. and uh, data manipulation and how you have no privacy online and Mm -hmm. how that can result in stuff like, you know, the 2016 election (laughs) Uh going to Trump. Yep. Because of algorithms and Facebook spewing endless propaganda at you. Right. So it's really interesting. It will make you super paranoid and mm-hmm. infuriated. Yeah, that documentary is great. But I think it's really important, especially like I I messaged my mom and I was like, you need to watch this because mm-hmm. she's still on Facebook a lot. Right. And I think especially, you know, boomer, boomers don't understand anything about right. how their data is being used mm-hmm. to brainwash them. Sure. <laughs> so I was like, you should just watch this you like watch for that. your own safety. Right, right. Um, but yeah, it's really, really well done. Nice. So check that out. Also, mm. I started watching on HBO The Outsider. Ah, I've, I've heard people talking about this. I haven't watched oh, it. Oh, boy. It's based on the Stephen King book? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. So I had never read the book. Mm-hmm. And I won't, I won't say any spoilers here, but I will say... <laughs> Um, something happens in episode two that I did not see coming. Ooh. I did not see coming. Nice. So, and it made me uh, even more interested in where like the show is going to go moving forward. Right. But um, it is about just a trigger warning. Uh, a little boy is violently raped and murdered. Mm-hmm. And it is a mystery about what happened to him. And there is, uh, uh, I am spacing on his name, Arrested Development. Oh, you're the worst person to ask. I don't know. Uh, Will Arnett? No. Uh, <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> Will Arnett. Uh, Jason Bateman. <laughs> yes, Jason Bateman. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Can you imagine Will Arnett? <laughs> He's not serious stuff. Has he? I can't take him so? seriously. Uh, uh, Jason Bateman, who's actually like a really, really good dramatic actor. Uh-huh. Uh, he is a Little League coach, and there are a series of pieces of evidence that look extremely damning mm-hmm. uh, that he is the murderer. And then it more evidence trickles out that he was 80 miles away at a conference. Yeah. And it's like, well, how could he have been in two places at once? I'm so jealous of Jason Bateman's career. I know. Just a guy who's made his entire living off just constantly being inconvenienced. That's like all of his characters are just <laughs> like him just bad things happening to him he's so good in this because it's truly like it's horrifying it's like imagine being accused of the worst thing right and everybody also assumes you're guilty automatically Mm -hmm. yeah yeah um and he's just so good at portraying (laughs) that right so do you have any recommendations uh i'm trying to think what i saw since last time i was here uh i think uh i saw knives out oh how'd you feel i loved it yeah i thought it was great it's so good it is amazing it's so fun. Yes, it's great. Watching it, I kept sort of being taken out of it just because I kept thinking, why has it taken so long for someone to do a modern Agatha Christie whodunit? Right. Yeah. This is so fun. It's great. It's great, and it's like, what's great about it, too, is that I think it doesn't rely on the mystery to be good. Yes. Because I think, I mean, at least for me, I it was pretty predictable. Yeah. But well, also, he settles it pretty quickly where, yeah. I guess this is a spoiler, if you don't want to hear spoilers for Knives Out, uh, forward, forward? Oh my God, Go fast for forward, <laughs> forward this episode uh-huh. to your mom. <laughs> yeah. Uh, fast forward to the music cue, mm-hmm. but pretty quickly in the movie, uh, they show that Christopher Plummer's character killed himself. Yes. So that sort of settles it where it's like, oh, so we're not looking for a murderer. We're just trying to figure out like what a series of events that led yeah, to this, which right. was very clever. Yes. And yeah, but it's just so, uh, the, the way it's put together is very fun. There's constantly stuff going on, but it's like, you know, it's about the characters and it's just, I don't know, it's done really well. Everybody was really engaging and very good. Everybody's having the most fun possible. Uh-huh. Apparently they shot it really fast. So it's like, like two months. I read about it on Wikipedia. Everybody's fresh. Like, nobody's tired. Yeah. Daniel Craig is doing a very interesting accent. I Here's, here's the only part that was bad about Knives Out, <laughs> and it's not anything that's wrong with the movie. I went to see the movie after having read the tweet that somebody put about Daniel Craig doing an impression of Michael Scott from The Office doing Caleb Crawdad when they do the murder mystery episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then as soon as he started talking, I was like, oh, fuck. What's like, so I, this is all too, I can think about. And now. I've talked about this before on the show. That apparently was like the 70th accent he had done. They did like a speed round of accents where he's like, how about this? How about this? One was like a Hercule Poirot accent. Uh-huh. And uh, Ryan was like nervous about that because he's like, I don't want it to be like too on the nose for Agatha right, Christie. Right. And then they landed on Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> and he was like, perfect. Perfect. <laughs> I love it. And I, it is fun. I think yeah. it's, it, I do think it's supposed to be deliberately over the top. Yes. I really hope what I read is true and there will be a second movie I think there will about, be about him I want there to be a whole anthology that's what it's supposed to be is, yeah. is, is about him mm-hmm. even though it's it's interesting because it's like it's a movie about a detective but 
when you're watching it, it almost doesn't feel like he's the main character. Yeah. Um, I'm happy for Daniel Craig because, like, listen, I, I don't feel sorry for him because he has more money than uh, God um, from doing the James Bond movies. Right. But I think he's also really unhappy doing the James Bond movies. Yeah. They just keep throwing more and more money at him. And it's like, how do you not right. do that? Right. Um, again, don't feel sorry for him. Don't tweet me. Well, it's But I, I'm glad he gets to do something really goofy and, like, the opposite of that. He's very wealthy from doing the Bond movies and and on you know to his credit some people regard some of those movies as the better Bond movies ever you know he's my favorite Bond I love him so but it's not a role that takes a ton of acting talent no but he he elevates it to Sam Mendes like the whole reason that it was Sam Mendes right yeah yes uh the whole reason that he chooses like very serious theater people Mm -hmm. to be in the James Bond movies is because like Naomi Harris and Judi Dench and Ray Fiennes and Ben Wishaw elevate that to like a whole nother level. So like it's treated very seriously and it shows like the quality of it is, is great. Yeah. Um, but I'm glad they're doing another one. The trailer looks really amazing um, because Spectre was just a mess. Yeah. And I was like editing in my head while I was watching Mm -hmm. it. And I was like, this could have been so good. And I'm so pissed. They fucked it up. Anyway. Mm -hmm. uh, So one last recommendation before we get to the bad news section. Are you guys watching Cheer on Netflix? Mm, I saw you tweeting about it. You got to watch Cheer. Uh, It is about a group of cheerleaders. In Texas at a junior college who are competing uh, at, like, the big cheerleading national competition in Daytona. Of course, it's in Daytona. Mm. Uh, And it will just really make you appreciate, like, the sacrifice they make uh, with their bodies Mm -hmm. and how they are professional athletes, but they're not given the same level of respect as, like, football players. But truly, like... I, I don't I've lost count of how many times they've dropped a girl and you just hear her screaming because oh, she's they, like oh, hurt they herself. Go, they get horribly injured, horribly hurt, and they just bounce right back because uh-huh. it's like this is what we do. Right. It'll make you respect them. It'll also make you like question the whole system, sure, like sure, <laughs> how they're yep. treated, mm-hmm. um, the level of care right. that, it, that is like supervising them. So, but it's really well made, and the the kids' backstories are really compelling. A lot of them come from like really poor families. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a lot of structure or guidance in their lives, and then they found cheerleading, and they credit cheerleading for saving their lives, basically. Mm-hmm. But right. yeah, it's it's great. Check it out. Yeah, guys. It sounds good. On that note, we gotta move on. It's that time of the show. Let's all hold hands and cry. Here's your bad news. So, obviously, the big bad news story that I wanted to talk about is all this drama with Bernie and Liz. My God. 2020 is going to be the dumbest year. Uh, It's already the dumbest. It's already (laughs) so so dumb. So, in case you manage to miss the news and stay off social media, again, congratulations. Your life sounds amazing. Wow, okay. I am jealous. Brag, brag, brag. But there's this feud between the Warren and Sanders campaign now because this story leaked Mm -hmm. deliberately. (laughs) Seems that way. A deliberate leak by the Warren campaign that there was this meeting that took place between uh, Elizabeth and Bernie. Yes. In which Bernie Sanders expressed that a woman can't win the presidency. Yes. So, 
this, of course, blows up on social media. Bernie Sanders is portrayed as being like a sexist, which mm-hmm. is fucking absurd. Yeah. And here, here's truly my take from it. And I want to say it at the top before we get into anything. I believe a, a story in which Elizabeth and Bernie were having a very serious, blunt conversation about strategy for the Democratic mm-hmm. Party mm-hmm. in which Bernie Sanders was expressing the reality that sexism plays a major role in presidential outcomes. They had seen what just happened to Hillary Clinton. And he said, I think it will be very hard for a woman to win the presidency. And it was just a strategy conversation. It was not him saying a woman can't be president. Women are unqualified to be president. I can't imagine a world in which Bernie Sanders would say that. Yeah, there's so many things. Yeah, first off, uh, a point I'm so glad you brought up is... The same people that are upset if he said this, if it's true, mm-hmm. the same people who are upset that he said this are the same people who said that Hillary Clinton lost the yes. election because of sexism. He was expressing reality. <laughs> now, I think the very fucked up part of this, and let me say, too, that I, I like Liz Warren and Bernie Sanders. Yeah. If I had to choose between the two of them, I would go for the the, the further left candidate, sure. which is Bernie Sanders. Right. But that doesn't mean I wouldn't vote for Liz Warren. That yeah, doesn't yeah. mean I don't like Liz Warren, right. all that stuff. So what disappointed me about the Liz Warren um, situation is that, and again, this might not have even have been Elizabeth Warren's call. Maybe it was a mm-hmm. very over-eager intern sure. who saw an opportunity to seize on a strategy that would give them leverage right. over the Bernie Sanders campaign. Right, right. It disappointed me that they took this interaction and twisted it into the most sinister shape, which is Bernie right. Sanders is sexist. Yeah, what's, what also, uh, my initial take when I saw this was... was, was was a version of that, which is that even if everything that has come out is true, mm-hmm. there's a much bigger difference with saying saying a woman can't win the presidency and a woman can't be president. Exactly. That is, those are two absolutely totally different things. One's a combination of voters mm-hmm. of the country, that, and that was the conversation, right. at least in my opinion. But if you know anything about Bernie Sanders' history, yeah. how he's voted, who he's chosen to support. He was leading the move to draft Warren to run in 2016. Yes. He has always <laughs> supported he her. Did, he only announced after she said she wouldn't run. And I should say, too, it seems like she likes him a lot. Too. Yeah, so they that's seem why like they're friends. That's why know? I'm like, I don't know like what's happening behind the scenes. But also, ultimately, it comes down to Elizabeth Warren. It's like, this is your campaign. You are in control of what's happening. And she just came out and she was basically like, yeah, that meeting did happen. Mm-hmm. It's like, well, Elizabeth, that's like a very irresponsible thing to just throw out there. Offer context. Right. Like, we know there's more to the story, but... It was disappointing because it seemed like she saw an opportunity to strike and she struck. It feels to me like that is, you know, that exactly happened. They had a strategy meeting. Bernie said, you know, it's very hard for a woman to win. Uh, evidence being that a woman has never won. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And what happened to Hillary in 2016. Yep. You know, all these things. Uh, and, you know, this, I, I don't know if it was specifically her intention for this to leak or an aide, right. you know, the, the story that I had read was that, you know, she had told the story, you know, to people around her before mm-hmm. and maybe somebody heard it and they mm-hmm. just decided to start spreading it around or whatever. But once it came out, however it came out, once it came out, you know, she's 
not technically lying, you know, if it's like, you know, if at the that debate, conversation happened, you know, that yeah. conversation happened at debate, you know, her line was like, oh, well, he said a woman can't win. And I disagreed. That's probably exactly true. Sure. But if you're Elizabeth Warren, you have to know how people are taking right. the story. And like, why was he saying that? What were you talking about you know, before and, that? And the whole reason that there is drama, the whole reason that it is a story, obviously is because people are taking it to mean Bernie is a, a sexist or, or misogynist. And also way. there's this whole history of like Bernie bros online yeah. and, you know, not to erase anybody's suffering. I know there was a lot of online harassment of women who oh, yeah. expressed not supporting sure. Bernie Sanders. Sure. But here's the thing. Online culture is terrible in general. Uh-huh. You can find terrible Elizabeth Warren supporters yep. online. You can find, you know, terrible Buttigieg, Booker, Yang supporters online. Because online can be very toxic. Uh-huh. But that image has sort of rubbed off on Bernie. So I think yeah. people were more likely to be like, yeah, because he's sexist because Bernie bros. And right. it's like, if you know anything about his history, it is just obviously false yeah. that he was like well women are dumb so they can't be president <laughs> yeah the th- yeah what disappointed me the most about the story is that you know uh, even amongst friends in a primary especially uh, as one as hotly contested as this one especially among friends yeah <laughs> things are gonna come out it's a primary things get launched you know especially as you get closer to the actual caucuses and election yeah. you know and, and primaries <laughs> I mean, even though they're friends, both of them want to be president. Sure. You know, both of them want to win. So uh, I expect things like this to happen. What bothered me is that at the debate, I thought Bernie did a great job of just sort of laying out what happened, you know, from his point of view, his side of the story, what happened. And then Elizabeth just had this one sentence of like, you know, oh, well, he said a woman can't win and I disagreed. And then it was sort of like, no explanation, no yeah. elaboration, no acknowledgement that maybe it was taken a different way. It was mm-hmm. just like, you know, I think she's intentionally obfuscating just so that she doesn't have to take any responsibility yeah. for it. Yeah, and that disappointed and, me because it's yeah. like, well, that's lying. Right. If you don't give the full context, you're lying. Yeah, I think I think she had a responsibility to be more upfront about like, this is the conversation we had. This is, you know, uh, he said because of these reasons that women can't win. I happen to think the country has changed or maybe it'll be different this time. But, you know, just saying this one sentence thing and then just being like, well, you make up your mind about what it meant. It's like, that seems really irresponsible to me. Yeah. I would just love us to not tear each progressive candidate apart until no one is standing Uh for the 2020 election. What bothers me so much about it, too, and this is not aimed at at either one of them specifically, is that. There's a very clear like divide in the party between like them and like the Biden wing, yeah. and it's like they got to get rid of him first before they can start infighting. Because I mean, he's still leading in every poll. Yeah, it's like, and it, and he probably will if this keeps happening. I think he will be the the nominee, just I, because no, there's no evidence that he won't be. <laughs> a couple of recent polls have Bernie kind of like moving up in some of yeah. the early states. There's still the, a pretty big gap though, right? Uh, it depends on what polls you look at. Right. I mean, you know, Iowa. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, like even in Iowa, like specific polls have some of them have them tied. Some of them have pretty big gaps for yeah. Joe. It, election like primary elections are hard too because so much of the later states depend on the momentum of the first states. Yeah. So it's like and the weird importance we inject into Iowa, which so is like why? Yeah. So it's like everything changes after like no matter what the polls say now, if Bernie wins the first like three primaries, 
the voters, the undecided voters in those states, in the later states, start moving over to 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 Bernie because he's got momentum or whatever or whoever wins. You know, if 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 one candidate picks up three or four in a row of the early ones, they have all this perceived momentum. So then people start moving to them because right. it's like, well, they can win. Right. So it's hard to like say, but I, you know, I don't know. I I, I think Bernie can win still. Mm. Um, but uh, I think it would be a disaster if Biden wins. Right. Uh, so I also wanted to talk about this meeting that happened at the Pentagon in July 2017 between Trump and his military leaders. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a new book published, or it was an excerpt of a new book published in the Washington Post. Um, it's the upcoming book, A Very Stable Genius. Uh, So the book states that this meeting took place six months into Trump's presidency after his generals became concerned about, quote unquote, gaping holes in Trump's knowledge of America's key alliances. Wow. So the idea was to bring Trump to the Pentagon Situation Room where these military leaders would give him like a crash course on who America's allies are. why they're worth keeping on uh, our side and uh, where they're located. Basically foreign policy for a dummy. So this meeting descends immediately into chaos. Uh-huh. Uh, Tillerson, then Secretary of Defense Jim Mattis, National Economic Council Director Gary Cohn, reportedly took turns trying to explain their points to Trump, but Trump is said to have first appeared bored out of his mind before he got increasingly angry. Sure. The account states Trump repeatedly interrupted the lesson after apparently being triggered by a word or phrase uttered by the military leaders. One example given is that he heard the word base during the lesson, which sparked him into launching into a tirade about how, quote unquote, crazy and stupid it was that the U.S. paid to build and maintain bases overseas, which despite being like a good point, <laughs> like, yeah, right, yeah, yeah. not not just the money, but it's like, why do we have so many bases all over the world? It's like he can't fucking focus right. long enough for them to like give him like a basic lesson in, in geopolitics. So his first grievance was reportedly against South Korea when he suggested charging rent for a $10 billion missile defense system the U.S. built there to protect South Korea and American troops. He then complained about NATO, saying it was in arrears to the U.S. for not spending enough money on defense, a complaint he's repeatedly raised during his presidency. Then... He starts complaining about Obama's Iranian nuclear deal and the length of the war in Afghanistan. Each time, his generals reportedly tried to gently explain why his view of these complex geopolitical issues might not be entirely accurate. (laughs) It was reportedly during a conversation about Afghanistan that Trump blew his top. The president reportedly called Afghanistan a loser loser war and told his military leaders, you're all losers. You don't know how to win anymore. I want to win. We don't win any wars anymore. We spent $7 trillion. Everybody else got the oil, and we're not winning anymore. It's reported that Trump was so angry at this point that he wasn't breathing properly. (laughs) Is he ever breathing properly? (laughs) True. In his most incendiary comment, Trump, a man who, remember, managed to get out of military duty in Vietnam due to a supposed bone spur problem, is said to have told the assembled forces, I wouldn't go to war with you people. You're a bunch of dopes and babies. Dopes and babies. Okay. Here's my thing with this story. I get why this story is important. (laughs) And 
but this is i think this story is very enigmatic of the divide in the united states because uh you know uh, uh you know good liberals in the media you see a story like this and like this is insane mm-hmm. i don't think a lot of people realize this is what a lot of americans want yeah they and also want, that they, they like that he acts like this yeah and also that that spirit of we don't win anymore right. a lot of people feel yeah because their experience is like wages are stagnant right they lost their house during the subprime mm-hmm. crisis everybody has like less money to spend mm-hmm. things are getting harder and harder for people health insurance is really expensive and it feels like one loss after another so when there's somebody who's like i'm gonna make us win again right. that's a really powerful message yeah. and, and and also america's like shrinking role in the world and even though like that's not true we still have like the largest military by far um but a lot of people uh, here's why uh, the thing is is that as stupid as this as he seems in this story I think Trump represents how a lot of people view mm. American foreign policy. Mm-hmm. No, I agree with that. But the know. reason I wanted to put it in the bad news section, no, 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 it's, yeah, absolutely, is because for that he's, reason, he's, where he's, I don't think he was saying anything that like his supporters would be like, "Oh, that's too far." No, no, because no, no, no. by now we know, you know, he made fun of John McCain right. for being a POW. We know that his supporters, there's no such thing as him going too far. Right. As long as he's perceived as bringing it to like washington elites and like i think the military is just part of that for his supporters um they love it it's just that you know he's out of his mind and i i don't know or think it's particularly um beneficial for anyone to speculate about like why that's happening whether it's you know yeah early onset dementia or him abusing um you know drugs drugs mm-hmm. maybe both who the fuck knows yeah. but it's it's resulting in like really erratic behavior mm-hmm. and you know i i also didn't want to like praise the generals in all of this because right. they have made disastrous decisions sure. and they probably should be criticized a lot right. um and if it wasn't an insane person, uh, it would probably be really beneficial to have a president who's like questioning their strategies. Right. But he's just so ignorant and dumb yeah. that it's never from like an informed place. No, no, no. no. <laughs> I, my ultimate point is, just, I hope that a lot of like you know uh, liberals understand that when you read a story like this, like when he says stuff like, "Yeah, why don't we charge South Korea rent?" For or for missile defense or for our mm. base, it's like that is how a lot of people are just like, yeah, why not? Like, why aren't you know what I mean? Like, uh, most people don't understand the you know foreign policy and geopolitics and all this stuff, and it's like this is what most people think. Yeah, I had this moment where did you see the clip on Jeopardy where the you know three very smart people who are uh-huh. on Jeopardy yeah. doing well, they've they've made it through other rounds. Uh, and they showed a photo of Adam Schiff. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Trebek's like, who is this? Yeah. And, and everyone was like... Yeah, nobody knew. And that's the reality of America. Like, if you're on Twitter and you see an article like this, and it's like, bunch of dopes and babies. Oh, man. Oh, this has got to be the thing that brings them down. Yeah. I promise you, I promise you, the overwhelming majority of Americans, A, have not heard that story. B, if they do hear the story, we'll be like, okay, so what? I would be shocked if he doesn't have a t-shirt that says dopes, dopes and, babies and babies by a week from now yeah i would be sure. absolutely shocked absolutely <laughs> so also in bad news 
I just put an image of Jared Kushner <laughs> on the cover of Time Magazine looking like Slender Man, which is where my my sketch pitch came from uh-huh. because I I have night paralysis. Mm-hmm. And I was always trying to explain to people, uh, sometimes with night paralysis, you have visual hallucinations, which is where like the myth of like witches and aliens, alien abductions come from because people can have very visual or a very intense visual hallucinations and they feel real. So my version of that is a tall, thin man is standing in the corner. Mm -hmm. And I would explain that to people and they're always very freaked out about it. But I know they can't like really visualize what I'm talking about. Uh So this is a great helpful (laughs) visual reenactment where Jared Kushner is on the cover of Time magazine, little waist snatched and looking very thin (laughs) and long and uh, looks like Slender Man. And uh, that is what the the tall, thin man looks like. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Nice. So very like smooth, almost featureless face. It's, yeah, I think it's bad news. So I, I put it in the bad news section. I think Jared <laughs> Kushner and uh, Ivanka Trump are the two. I think maybe the most underreported story of the entire Trump administration. It is utterly bizarre. They are like shadow running large portions yes. of the United Jared States. Jared Kushner is maybe low key the most powerful man in the world. I think he's running basically like. The Israeli conflict, it's single-handedly. wild how much he is in charge of. Like, yeah, and, and I know it got reported a bunch when it happened. Yeah. but like Ivanka Trump, uh, Ivanka Trump, <laughs> is like she's an advisor to the president. Yeah, for no reason. No reason. No experience. No history of that kind of work. Just being the daughter, got has an office in the White House, and it's just like everybody's like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. That's probably the bigger bad news story. <laughs> but like for me personally on but my journey, no, yeah, Jared is Jared looking like Slender Man was um, a lot yes. for me to have to right. process. So he's a very weird looking man. He's a he's a nightmare. He's like uh-huh. my nightmare right. come to life. <laughs> so maybe I did this, you guys. Maybe it's my bad. Uh, I you created have to report him with my back. mind, maybe. No, uh, I would be interested to see after you uh, have been looking at this picture for so long if the next time you he actually have looks one, like yeah, Jared yeah, Kushner. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, yeah, that might happen. That be that might not uh, be so good. Wish me luck, everybody. <laughs> okay, on that note, on the note of my Slender Man now being Jared Kushner, <laughs> here's your good news. <laughs> I guess we should talk about Lev Parnas, even though we just talked about how like some of this shit doesn't matter outside of our bubbles. And this, I think, is a classic example of that. (laughs) We're like, if we just did a man on the street, Billy Eichner type segment right now and I was pulling people over left and right and I was like, who is Lev Parnas? They would be like, I have no fucking idea. Um, (laughs) And like, ultimately, will this mean anything in the long term? Who knows? But I, I always put anything that further diminishes the whole Trump Giuliani empire yes. in the good news section by default. So Lev Parnas is an indicted ex-associate of Trump lawyer Rudy Giuliani. Uh, and he recently accused Trump of lying about their relationship. Uh, he said Giuliani told Ukrainian officials that Parnas spoke on, his, on behalf of the president. Right. 
Uh, in an interview with Matto, Parnas said that when he met with Ukrainian government officials, he would call Giuliani and put him on speaker. Giuliani would then tell the officials that Parnas was there on Trump's behalf. Mm-hmm. So that's really important because there was always this... What the Trump supporters were and, and his lawyers were desperately trying to imply is that these were like rogue supporters right. who were like doing stuff uh, didn't know about. on their own and they couldn't like directly uh, connect him to mm-hmm. it. And this is a direct connection. Right. So that's significant. The story really shocked me when it came out only because the first thing I saw was like Rachel Maddow tweeting like, Oh, huge interview tonight with Lev Parnas. And my first thought was like, every time Rachel Maddow says she has a huge story, <laughs> he it's doesn't even show up. Nothing. It's just like a mop propped up in a I chair with his like <laughs> yeah. his headshot on it. I can't stop thinking about the day when she was like breaking. We have oh Trump's tax returns for eight hours, and then her show was like, we have one page of the tax return. Oh my god! And it says nothing. Um, um but the news in America is bad. <laughs> Cable news is bad. But then when it actually when I saw because I work overnight, so I saw the story kind of come out after her show, and I was like, oh my god, actually something happened. Yeah, this this. This was actually I, breaking news. I don't know how much we can trust Lev Parnas. Because, really? Uh, I'm he's uh, <laughs> indicted for, I believe, <laughs> forging documents, which is uh, he's now giving us documents after being indicted for forging What's documents. What's so interesting about all of this is because the corruption and the Trump administration is so deep and prolific that when they do start to rat on each uh-huh. other, it's sort of like, what can we trust? Because <laughs> you're all at this point, they're just jumping ship. Yeah. And they're like throwing each other under the bus. Sorry to mix metaphors. But, <laughs> you know, like they, they want to get out with their head intact. Right. It's so truly don't say anything. The dumbest mob crimes of all time. I like, think it's insulting to compare them to the mob. Because yes. <laughs> I was like, the mob, it's, they, they snitched less. Yeah. They held their shit together better. It's guys that want to be in the mob. Yes, but big time. could not figure out who to talk to. They or know think anything. they're the mob uh-huh. and the mob would eat them alive. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I, re- I remember seeing a photo of like Michael Cohen in like a, like a plaid suit hanging out at like an Italian deli. It's like, get the get fuck out of here. Get out of here. Um, but, uh, but what, what I do think is good about the story, even though Lev Partis wholly untrustworthy, yes, I think his testimony, as untrustworthy as it may be, may force the Senate impeachment trial to go longer. Because mm-hmm. now, even though he's an untrustworthy figure, just have without any of this being debunked, if the Senate Republicans go in and like have like a two-hour trial and then like, oh, he's not guilty. Everyone's going to be like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think this may force the hand a little bit to call witnesses to actually have to bear some of this out and figure out, you know, figure it out. And I think the longer a Senate trial goes, even if obviously they're not, obviously they're not going to remove Trump. From obviously. Office. That's just not going to happen. No. There's, I don't even think there's you could find video of Trump telling Rudy Giuliani to like kill the ambassador they just don't have the votes yeah it's not gonna happen but i think the longer a senate trial goes out on the impeachment better for it's worse for his public image come voting not only his public image but like it slows them down yes because they have to constantly respond to Uh everything that's happening which means they can't devote their energy to being proactive in a very evil way elsewhere so it slows them down if that is the only effect the Uh whole impeachment inquiry has i think it's still worth it yes 
just slow them down a little bit and hopefully we can like squeak out a victory in 2020 Mm -hmm. even though i think that looks very unlikely yeah i also think you know for it's one of those things of like even if you know no matter what the outcome is it's one of those things of like if you know that that thing of like if if all you hear about trump is like ukraine and corruption all this stuff like eventually you start associating that with him and i think for undecided voters whoever they may be uh you know if they start to associate only that with trump come election day might sway some votes maybe maybe i don't I, know. I think a bigger cause for concern is voter suppression voter right. disenfranchisement no, of course. I mean, uh, because obviously. even if that's true and yeah. they just steal enough votes we still fucking lose yeah, obviously so yeah that that's part of the reason i'm still like oh boy and also the fact that biden is probably going to be the nominee and <laughs> is not strong and that that scares me too yeah. so i put the next story in good news because i just think it's so funny how this is all playing out did, first of all, I can't remember if we even talked about this, but so I'll recap briefly. Do you know who Carly Kloss is? No, okay. absolutely not. So Carly Kloss is a model, okay. and she is married to uh, Josh Kushner, Jared's brother. Okay. So there was a big, big to-do pretty recently because she was a guest judge on Project Runway, okay. and one of the designers in defending his final piece, she was like, you were supposed to be designing for Carly. Uh She was like, I would not wear that to Paris. And this designer, um, Tyler uh, Nieslany, oh, sorry, I don't know how you pronounce (laughs) his last name, said, uh, would you wear it to dinner with the Kushners? And Carly's face fell. (laughs) And at the time, I was very confused because I was like, aren't you proud to be married to your husband? Like, (laughs) why did you marry? I mean, I know why you married him. But like, uh, ostensibly, like, you would be proud of being married to your husband. Uh, And she looked pissed. And I was like, what is the deal? So then it comes to light that apparently she has a very contentious relationship with the Kushners. The Kushners have been very cruel to her. Mm. They would refer to her as the model constantly, very dismissive of her, which first of all, it's like, you're yeah, good insult. You're a bunch of fucking idiots who just (laughs) lied your way and scammed your way into a real estate empire. You're not smart people. (laughs) Right. No, none of you are smart. (laughs) So, but they were, had like, they looked down their nose at her because they were like, she's just a model basically. Also, have you met Donald Trump? That's yeah. literally the only people he reveres yeah. in life is models. I don't think he reveres them. I think he just wants to fuck them. Sure, yeah. But I think he also probably is very condescending right, right, towards right. them. Uh, so that's the thing. They want to fuck them, but also right. they're oh, like, yeah. you're that's worthless. That's a good point, yeah. So it comes to light that uh, like they have a super contentious relationship. Huh. She was not invited to holidays for many years. Like, really, really wow. bad. So it's it's not just that... It seemed like she was mad that she was like, don't remind people that I'm a Kushner. Right. But what really I think her expression was is, I hate those fucking people. Yeah. Don't bring them up to me. Right. Uh, so uh, an update to the story is that uh, she <laughs> she's like revealed further details about her political alignment and how she feels about everything. Uh, so she is a Democrat. <laughs> and she also expressed she will be voting Democrat in 2020. Nice. So uh, I, I'll give it up for Carly. Um, even though she's a Kushner, she's not voting Republican. Do we know if her <laughs> husband, like, 
sticks up for her? Like, what? Listen, he, he <laughs> wants that Kushner money, yeah. so I would not be surprised if he's <laughs> conspicuously silent when they're being pieces of shit to her. Yeah, like, if, if she's, like, not by the holidays, is he still like, well, that sucks, I'll see you later. And, like, it's hard to feel sorry for her because she's complicit, right? right. But there is something tremendously sad yeah. about someone who is married mm-hmm. to her husband and his entire family mm-hmm. is mean to her and hates her. Right. And uh, like mentally abuses her and emotionally abuses her, so uh, I feel sorry for Carly. But I'm happy that maybe she's voting <laughs> Democrat. <laughs> and it would be very funny if it was like because of that. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'll absolutely. show you fucking people who's a model. <laughs> Rich people lives are so weird. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I never like really understand. By the way. I have talked about the circle so much that I now get constant texts from people who have finished the circle <laughs> and want to talk about it. My brand nice. is strong. Nice. Um, do we have time to talk about this? Uh, ooh, we did talk about that. Oh, my God. I literally can't click to the next story because I'm getting circle texts on my computer. Wow, Go away. Oh, my God. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So, oh, my God. <laughs> uh, There's so many texts it's just, about it's the circle. It's a constant deluge. Oh, yeah. I wanted to shout out these women. So the trial for Harvey Weinstein is happening in New York. Mm -hmm. And there was this big protest outside the courthouse um, that apparently originated in Santiago, Chile, uh, which is a dance against rape culture. Mm -hmm. And I'll link to the dance at our Lipson page. You should watch it. It was spearheaded by Las Tessas, which is a feminist theater collective Mm. first performed on international day for the elimination of violence against women, um, outside the Supreme court building in uh, Santiago in November. Um, but since then it like went viral yeah. and people have like learned the dance, learned the song. Uh, do you remember Nalini stamp from Occupy wall street? The name sounds familiar. Nalini. She's like yes. in the front of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Nalini's great. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. Nine times out of ten, if there's a protest uh-huh. photo, Nalini's somewhere nice. in it. She is just tireless. <laughs> She's the reason that I used to get really offended when people called me an activist. Because oh, I was like, right. I'm not an activist. Right. Nalini's right. an activist. Right, right, right. It is like really hard work, and yeah. she is fucking tireless. Right. That is an activist. Thinkless, <laughs> unpaid yes. work. Yes. Um, so they performed this song titled, and I'm so sorry for any mispronunciations, Un Villador en Tu Camino, which translates to a rapist in your path. And it's meant to show rape not just as a crime against an individual woman, but the expression of a larger social issue. And they performed it both in Spanish and English. And the the video of it is really powerful. Like they're they're all um, dressed in in like similar colors and just right. fierce as fuck. And it's like really really powerful. Sometimes yeah, it was a cool video. It's a very cool video. Sometimes when you watch like protest dances and stuff it's sort of like eye rolly where it's like is this yeah. gonna do anything but this felt powerful <laughs> and i was like i would not fuck with these women yeah and also i really 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 hoped that he uh saw that because that would be very scary for him <laughs> right, right uh and he should be scared because he's a rapist rapists yeah. should be scared <laughs> all the time yeah i always thought protests like singing and dancing was kind of weird uh until uh, this is a weird connection, but I, I remember a, a an improviser on a podcast talking about musicals. Gross. And he made the point. <laughs> I'm just kidding. He was talking <laughs> about because I don't like musicals. 
I do not care for that. I, I'm one of the people who, like, I understand why they're really hacky and cliche, and uh-huh. I roll my eyes, but also I love it. <laughs> I love it. He made the point of, like, the point of a musical is that the emotion gets heightened so much that you can't talk normally. You have to sing. You have to sing. And dance. And I never thought about it that way. Uh-huh. I always watch musicals like, this is stupid. Uh-huh. <laughs> Basically. Not to demean anybody what who does What musicals music- have you seen? Uh, I saw a couple. In I, person? I, I never, never like a Broadway. But like, just what well, I, I... You gotta go see a fucking Broadway musical. Yes, I'm sure I should. <laughs> but I did not care for it because I don't care for singing and dancing. <laughs> um, but... Uh, but my point was after you said that it clicked, like why it's important and interesting mm-hmm. to do that. And I think that also comes into play with like coordinated protest dances and stuff like that. It conveys a certain, uh, heightened emotion that just standing around and yelling would not convey. It's also unusual. Like yes. we're used to seeing people standing around holding signs, right. but to see a, a very powerful choreographed routine yes. is like, first of all, the media fucking loves it because it's just something different to photograph and film. Catches people's attention. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's just, it's a, it's a special, unique way to stand out. And yeah. like, I mean, sadly, yeah, maybe women who are asking not to be raped uh, <laughs> need to like they need good say PR. it in a different way. <laughs> they need good PR because yeah. uh, men don't care. Right. <laughs> um, yes, all men. I'm talking about every single one uh-huh. of you. You don't care. So, Eric, is there anything yep. that you want to uh, uh, plug or are you looking forward to or anything like that? Um, am I looking forward to anything? joy in your life uh that's a different question yes mm-hmm. um i recently <laughs> i recently uh bought two montblanc pens oh yeah we didn't yeah. talk about this so i made fun of eric where yes. i took a screenshot of me muting the words eric and pens yes. on twitter uh-huh. which i didn't actually do by the way i was just like this is this would be very funny if i was if i was doing funny. this yeah yes. uh but go off go off queen for, uh well i bought it, it, basically, I bought the pen that I had, uh, had always wanted, mm-hmm. which is a, a high-end uh, a Montblanc found pen called the Montblanc 149. Uh, and it, it's, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I will say I bought two used ones Okay. for the price of what you normally can buy one used one for. How much use does a used pen see? Uh, it depends on what kind of conditions it's in. Okay. If it's still working fine, then uh, I use it all the time. I use it every day. I was like, is it like once and then it's used? Or Oh, you mean like what counts as a used pen? Yeah. That, it, it depends on mostly what it, it comes down less to use because a good, like a good quality pen. It's not like pen, wear and tear. There can be. Okay. Mostly it's in the form of like. Uh, what they call micro scratches. Oh, sure. Patina yeah. from use. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't, that's not necessarily performance based. That's just looks, you know, that's uh-huh. just aesthetic quality. Right. Um, if you take care of it, they can last forever. I have, I have uh, an old uh, Schaefer found pen that my great, my great grandmother had when she was young. Wow. And uh, how much my, is that worth? Uh, not much, like a hundred yeah. bucks. Oh, okay. Um, and she, it was my mom found it in a storage unit when they like cleaned out her wow. estate, and she sent it. That's to me. amazing. It it writes amazing. It's yeah. great. 
Um, so I, I like the idea of holding something yes. that so many people have held. Right. Um, yeah, it's very cool. And it, generations. And it writes. I mean, it, it really is like just amazing. Um, right. But then I bought. I've I've been wanting this like specific Montblanc pen forever, but it's uh, you know uh, it's very hard to uh justify even though if i could afford it because it uh it, it cost you know basically the same as my rent oh my god eric and that's that's when it's used you are like the uncut gems of pens where it's a like, little bit what yeah. are you doing stop and you're like i can't look how it writes i i i here's the point i made to faith as i was so i bought these two used pens and one of them had an issue which i i discovered after buying it not a huge issue, but it required buying some extra parts, and I was like, kind of extra parts for a pen. One of the parts, there's a piece of plastic on the inside that turns the piston mechanism, mm-hmm. and it was broken. Okay, the it, the, the plastic and was. And you cracked couldn't like have it repaired by them. You can, but it's very expensive to send it to Mont Blanc because okay. they're a luxury item company, and they'll charge you forever. So I just found I found somebody selling a used one online. Why are they going to charge you? They didn't make it right. It's broken. No, no, it's just I mean because it's used, so oh, th- right. they they have no way to tell wh- why it's broken. Gotcha. So I uh, I I uh, but I was like explaining to her like all the parts and like how I was like gonna replace it and then like polish my pins and then like I at that point when I was talking about polishing them I was like oh I'm I'm a car guy yeah. but for pins yeah for a very specific niche thing that no yes. one cares about which is why you like it yes absolutely <laughs> but the point is I have these two pins I'm I may I, I haven't decided yet I may sell one because I can literally sell them for double what I bought them for you remember so, when you were gonna start a pen podcast. I thought about it. And I, what were you going to name it? <laughs> I was going to name it Just the Tip. You're canceled. Yeah. You're absolutely canceled. I, uh, it's, uh, we're over time. We're, I'm not going over time to talk about this. <laughs> I'm pissed. But Follow the point Eric. is, no, I have them. No. They're great. Okay, fine. You made your fucking point. Just the Tip. <laughs> canceled. Follow <laughs> Eric on Twitter at E-R-E-K underscore Smith. Follow me at Allison Kilkenny. You can follow Light Trees and Pod on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Hey, do you like the show? Go to lighttreason.news and smash that donate button to keep us going. If you want to support my Patreon, it's patreon.com slash Allison Kilkenny. If you are a $5 a month member there or higher, you get to send questions that we'll answer on Light Trees and News. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And while you're at it, get out there and cause a little trouble. <laughs>